2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live edition of the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. and We're talking about another comeback win. What's up, Jack? Ice. All I see ice. is ice, baby. Ice. That was big time. Spencer he with a four-point play. D'Angelo backs it up with a three-point play right behind it. Just huge. They were down 21 in this game. They pulled off the victory, 117-115 on the road in Orlando in a game where it felt like they didn't have the juice and they just grinded it out. That's what
3: good teams do, Nick. It was the the unwinnable. Uh, It was almost like we were playing worse uh, against the Orlando Magic than we were against Houston, yet we somehow pulled this one out. Uh, I I think it comes down to as much as uh, the awesome historic feats from guys like D'Lo and Spencer. We just played some defense towards the end, and, and it got us down the stretch. Yeah, we did. And, you know, looking at the stats, first quarter, they
2: allowed Orlando score 32, second quarter, 35, third quarter, 28, fourth quarter, only 20 points. Also a big shout out to Damari Carroll. He's just been huge in the Houston comeback, huge in this comeback. He's just been doing the small things, grinding out the play. One thing that really sticks out is his team defense, his health defense, where he kind of pulls off his guy at the last second just to contest the shot a little more.
3: Yeah, funnily enough, and I don't really buy into box plus minors that, uh, that much, but it reflects well tonight for a guy like Damari Carroll who led the team with D'Angelo Russell at plus 10. Whenever he was out there, the Nets just looked better. His aggression, you know, he's, he's mentioned that before to to reporters and the media. When he's aggressive and attacking the hole, his finishes uh, uh, just become, he just shows so much strength. He's one of the, probably the strongest players on the Nets roster right now. And his ability to finish through contact, um, he's been absolutely outstanding. And he's, he's lifting the guys on both ends of the floor. Um, we, need, we need him, and um, I, I know a lot of guys have advocated for a trade for him, but uh, he ain't leaving, baby.
2: Yeah, no, he's definitely the team leader of this team. One thing you mentioned in the drives, Jack, great job of body positioning and using that scoop. Play-up. It also helps when the other team has to respect the pick and roll with either Dinwiddie and Allen or D'Lo and Allen. It just allows him to get that open lane because they're just throwing the pass right off of that, driving to the rim, really impressive stuff. But obviously the Nets wouldn't have even been in this game without D'Angelo Russell. Big time first first half, 24 points. Finished with 40 points, 16 to 25, 8 to 12 from three. And you showed me a stat in the middle of the game. Only player this season to score 19 straight. This dude
3: is a beast, man. Get him in the all-star game, Nick. What are we talking about? F the likes of Bradley Beal, Nikola Vucevic. Our boy D'Lo is making his name heard. And these are the statement games that I don't care if he doesn't get to the free throw line. All the naysayers around him. He got 40 freaking points, 16 and 25 from the field, 8 of 12 from 3. Is that enough for you guys? This, uh, I mean, I've seven been in, assists, 2. Oh and 7 assists, 2 and 1 turnover? I mean, I, I've, we've been naysayers of him in the past, but we've been a lot higher on him of late. Like, I think people are better start giving him credit soon. Um, you know, that effective field goal percentage, whatever you want to talk about it. Um, I did like his aggression as well tonight. You know, he hit he hit hard. He wasn't the most smooth around the rim, but he was making the few. And I I like it when it just opened up his entire game. And um, a a nigh-on perfect game from D'Angelo tonight.
2: And we talked about this on the previous shows. His signature move is that ball fake floater game. He just kills that. Whenever he's in that motion, it just is almost a guarantee he's going to knock down the shot.
3: Yeah, he's... It was just... He's become an elite three-point shooter. Like, he's elite in that area. And for a guy who wasn't known to be in that sort of, you've got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and full credit to a guy like D'Angelo Russell who was just absolutely popping.
2: Yeah, a big-time game. And also, Spencer, not a great first half again. Second half, he picked it up. 20 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 7 from deep. He was big in that third quarter and helping get at the deficit under 10. And we talked about that in the DMs. You know, if they got it within a reasonable distance before that fourth quarter, I felt like they had a chance.
3: Uh, I think a lot of fans have been hoping for the Spencer and D'Lo big-time performances at the same time and and it happened tonight. Um, Spencer was huge. You know, I I mentioned the aggression of Damari Carroll. Um, The size really bothered us most of the night with guys like Jonathan Isaac, uh, Aaron Gordon, uh, Mo Bamba sort of being real forces down low. Uh, When Aaron Gordon uh, was out due to injury for the sort of remainder of the game from late in the third and the fourth, it really opened things up for the Nets. Um, They really missed his offense uh, and and things worked out well for us. You know, Terrence Ross was still good but, uh, Spence was just making plays whenever D'Lo was off the floor. And When both of them were on the floor, they just seemed to have a, a real nice energy.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the size. In that first half, I think Orlando had eight or nine offensive rebounds. They only finished with 12. So they made some adjustments at halftime, and they really did a better job protecting the boards.
3: Yeah, I think that was one area where we were down like 20 to 10 after the first or something like that. So to, to be able to even it up, um, that's really an area where I think the Nets – Um, really pride themselves on is defensive rebounding. You know, uh, I I think it can't be underestimated. Yes, man-on-man defense and blocks are wonderful. And Jared Allen had a couple of them again tonight, more than a couple. Um, But defensive rebounding is, you know, the fulcrum to any good defensive squad. You know, that's where the defense ends. It ends with the rebound. So um, if the Nets, like we mentioned in our pregame, if the Nets do the right thing on the boards, uh, then it all sort of turns out quite well.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned Jared Allen, and this is a, you know, it's a lot about his development, this game. Offensively, did not really have much of an impact. Six points, two or six in the field. You just didn't really feel him out there. Orlando did a good job, but he did a nice job on the boards. Ten rebounds in the second, not in the second half, but he picked it up in the second half. Ten rebounds overall and four blocks. His his rim protection was elite. You know, he baited Vucevic a couple times, and they're getting a big-time rejection on him.
3: Yeah, and he made the plays at the right time. He made them in the fourth. Um, it's it, it, like you mentioned. It, it showed his maturity, his development. Obviously, he's in his second season. I think we forget that quite a bit. That this is a guy that's played, you know, barely a barely 80 games in his career, and he's impacting, you know, a, a playoff team right now. So, and he's the the sort of defensive stalwart. Yes, he can get bullied sometimes. He doesn't have the size that we want. His man on man defense isn't tremendous. But um uh, you cannot question the desire and the will that this kid has. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people scared a lot of other teams uh, away from him in terms of his his motivation and his passion for the game. Uh, you certainly can't question that.
2: Yeah, he's definitely been more passionate than I think all the draft reports had of him. He's done a great job. And he's just developing. Like you said, Jack, he's only 20 years old. And the muscle that he's going to add over the next few seasons is going to be huge his development. You know, also, Trevion Graham, not a great scoring game. He was okay in the first half, but his defense was definitely fell against some of the bigger bodies in there using that toughness we needed. I really like it when him and Damari
3: are out there together. Um, I'd be I'm curious to see the the net ratings and the plus minus when both of those two are on the court at the three and the four. Um, they just seem to have they have similar skill sets of sorts. Obviously, Damari is probably a, a more mature and ready version. But Trevion Graham can look to, to a guy like Demario Carroll of, of where his career can go. Uh, a long-term vet guy who can impact winning basketball, hit his threes. Um, I think that you can't underestimate the leadership that he's shown, uh, as we talked about earlier. But uh, Trevion was good defensively. He had his moments. I think there's times where he can be uh, a little bit, it's just like he doesn't fit. Where does he fit in terms of the overall schemes? Um, but I think that could be said of a lot of other players when Dealer was sort of, our only offensive guy in that first half. But if it weren't for him, uh, I mean, we wouldn't be in this game at all.
2: And he hit a big three in the fourth quarter. You know, he didn't knock down all of his threes during the game, but in that fourth quarter, he knocked down a big one, which is important. You know, talking about some guys who didn't necessarily have great games, you know, Rodion's kind of struggling this game, obviously early timeout. Kenny kind of yelled at him a little bit. I think he just didn't necessarily have the juice tonight, and you can kind of see it.
3: Yeah, and I think that's going to be part of the maturation process for any rookie. Uh, yep. Let alone a guy like Rodion on who has forced himself into the starting lineup. I, I think we all know that Demario Carroll is a more capable, ready player, and in terms impacts winning basketball um, far more often. But to, to show the confidence in him, uh, I think that's still a good thing. And you know, these are sort of turning points in terms of lessons that he can learn going forward. Uh, I think it shows um, uh, not necessarily a maturity from Kennedy from Kenny, uh, but it just shows <laughs> that he's going to be able to. You know, it's it's not – Rodion's can't do everything that he wants to do. It shows that, you know, you need to do the right things on both ends of the floor. But um, he's going to bounce back. Um, he's got a – he's got really strong will. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't come back with a big performance uh, in the next one.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's, he's a young guy too. He's going to develop. He's adjusting to the game. So no real hard feelings in that. And we're going to – like you said, I expect him to kind of bounce back. A guy who's not a rookie, who had a rough game, and it looks like he got re-injured. Rondé Hall jefferson two points, one of seven from the field. He just doesn't really look himself. And then he was re-injured in this game.
3: Yeah, he was injured. Um, it, it, I mean, it's it's hard to say what's going on with Rondé's body. But, you know, obviously the Nets keep things under a tight ship down there. Um, but he just – there were times where he pushed the pace. He just didn't look as composed. Um, I thought that we might see some more minutes from him, whether he is fully ready or whether he's he's done something again. Um, we hope him – we wish him all the best. Um but at the same time, you know, you don't want your your body sort of breaking down at any point of the season. But um hopefully it's minor more than anything.
2: Yeah, hopefully he can get one hundred percent. It looks like he might have came back a touch early because even in the Houston game, he didn't necessarily look himself. Obviously there's some adjustment to NBA basketball, but you know, best you know, best of luck to him to get one hundred percent healthy. Ed Davis, who didn't necessarily play a great first half, which is probably the first time I could say about him all season, he picked up in the second half
3: and brought that toughness and he was just that rebound vacuum. Yeah, nine rebounds. Nine rebounds, three offensive. Uh, got a little diamond there. I think our best offensive player of the night where Damari Carroll and yeah. that ball was fizzing around. Um, that was just absolutely gorgeous. And the Nets have those uh, quite consistently. But um, I'm going to give a minor shout-out to a guy who wasn't necessarily amazing from the field, but hit some big shots in Shabazz Napier. I-, I just Those threes from him were just absolutely crucial.
2: Yeah, they kept us in the game, especially when Orlando was getting those big leads. They were just the right time. And he did a pretty good job energy-wise, kind of disrupting DJ Augustine a little bit too. So overall, you know, I thought, you know, Shabazz came in and brought the energy, which you kind of look for,
3: especially when your team is down in that first half and doesn't really have the juice. Yeah, when you need the bucket, when you need the right assist... um... He wasn't perfect by any means. He might have taken a few too many shots, taken some bad shots. Um, His size might have been a liability at at times, but I thought Shabazz in his 18 minutes tonight um, was very serviceable, those four threes. Um, Yeah, he's... He's got that hot and cold. You know, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Shabazz. Like,
2: sometimes I love him out there, and then other times, like you said, he'll kind of take an extra shot or two, but it's like you kind of feel like he deserves it because he hustles a little bit. And, you know, Joe Harris was a little bit off tonight. He looked a little fatigued. A couple short on three-pointers, which is not something we're used to seeing. Still had three of them, though. Three of eight eight and three. Um, Which Which is is... crazy. You know, we were like, oh, yeah, he was kind
3: of cold, but he's three of eight. (laughs) Still nearly 50% from the field. Um, what What are you doing slandering my boy? Get off the pod, Nick. Let's get on, let's get on a Joe Harris lover. Um, no, I, I, I acknowledged a couple of times Joe Harris made some some poor passes. You know, three turnovers is just too much from a guy like him who doesn't initiate the offense. Um, and, and I think, you know, as much as I think some of those turnovers were also um, offensive fouls, which were just, um, as you mentioned, Nick, and we've talked about plenty when uh, during the games in our DMs, you know, if you're going to call them on one side, you call it on the other. And uh, it, it certainly tended to even out in that second half.
2: Yeah, I felt like in the fourth quarter, they finally started calling Orlando for some of the moving picks, which they weren't doing early in the game. But that also comes with, if you're playing hard and you're playing aggressive, the refs are more likely to give you the calls. In the first half, the Nets didn't have the energy. They didn't play aggressive. You're not going to get the calls. And that's what really changed in the third and fourth quarter. You know, going to the half, they had three free throws. They finished in the second half with 15.
3: Yeah, and I mean, that's a, a dramatic change. And that came with guys like Spencer Dinwiddie. That came with guys like Tamari Carroll. Um, you know, I, I think that there was in that second half. That's the the Brooklyn Nets' way. Obviously, having Aaron Gordon out certainly did help. Um, but I think that we were just making plays on both ends of the floor, and I think the energy was being fed on either end. You know, the defense, was, the defense was feeding the offense. The offense was feeding the defense. Um, it's just a tangible energy that that all the players could feel, and uh, just some big plays all around. And um, oh, I certainly didn't expect. I was quite despondent throughout the game. If you Go through the Nets Republic uh, Twitter (laughs) feed. You can probably tell from the the nature of my tweeting. uh, But towards the end, uh, the caps lock was in full force
2: yeah yeah i had to kind of get you back in the juice jack I, I could tell that you didn't have much faith and then all of a sudden you're <laughs> like yeah there we go but i felt like another thing in this game orlando was extremely hot you know some of it was the nets not playing great uh defense in the first half but they were shooting like 50 percent from uh three and checking the stats before the game they're like 25th in uh, true shooting percentage so not a great shooting team it kind of balanced out toward the end and they shot 38 percent from three some of that also was the nets defense forcing guys like jonathan isaac to take threes or briscoe to take threes guys who are necessarily great scores, so it was adjustments but also some it kind of came closer to the mean at the end
3: yeah it, basketball was this funny way of just balancing things out it's it, it's obvious i don't want to get very existential here nicholas but it's a <laughs> bit like life my friend you're never too up you're never too down uh but with this nets team boy you feel a full range of emotions that's for sure It's crazy if you look at, like, you
2: know, on the matchups, they'll have, like, the lead. The Nets were up in, like, that first quarter for a quick second, and they were down the entire game until the end of the fourth quarter, and they ended up winning by two. Like, it's just ridiculous. And those big shots, you can see the confidence in the team. Like, as soon as they got to six and four points, you saw everybody on that team just felt like they were confident they were going to pull off the win, get
3: the stops, and knock down the shots. Yeah, we didn't have the lead apart from 2-0. So, like, we probably had the lead (laughs) for about – three or four minutes uh, in the entire game. Um, obviously, for those that uh, don't know, Nick and I obviously converse quite frequently during the games and that's and Nick's just like, you know, we can get it down to single digits here. And I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> we're, we're a nice yin and yang. Um, and I, I, I'm I'm grateful for that.
2: Yeah, we, we, uh, you know, we had the prediction going to the game. You predicted the loss, and I predicted the win, but we had to keep it the same as last time, and it seems like it's working out. And, and i know predicting a net
3: loss next time, Nick. That's cool.
2: <laughs> I know uh, going to the game now, we have to kind of do these pregames every show, so I know people are asking. We're going to probably do it Sunday, but before we get to that, Jack, any other thoughts on this game or any other topics you want to touch on?
3: Well, I think that this... If you're a Magic fan, obviously, are probably not many of you It's not the best sort of uh, result, but um, this is a Nets podcast, so we're pretty bloody happy here.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly, Jack. And it was a big win. Like, think about this team where I think at one point in the season, they hadn't come back from a double-digit deficit the entire season. And now they've come back from down 20 already at least two times this month. So that just tells you about the growth and development of this team and the confidence they have. And we didn't even mention they're one game over five hundred right now, which seems like a ginormous accomplishment.
3: We are sixth now after that hate loss to the Detroit Pistons. Sixth. The Brooklyn Nets are sixth in the standings, Nick. It's it's unheard of. We went on an eight game losing streak. It, it's I'm just I'm I'm am I'm finding it really hard to find words to describe this season and my love for this team. It's uh it's a roller coaster, I mean, to, to quote the cliches, but, man, it's been up and down, but um, the highs have been bloody good
2: yeah what is that 16 wins in the last 21 games they've been extremely they've literally been one of the best teams in the nba since the start of december so that's i mean as optimistic as i was going to the season which i thought the playoffs were a real possibility i did not think six seed, and i didn't think we'd see a stretch like this especially without caris levert who we did get some good news that it looked like he was progressing a little bit more before the shoot around as well
3: yeah he looked nice he looked really nice um Obviously, uh, Coach Kenny was non-committal on bout. So he'll be <laughs> back <a> before. Oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise with Coach Kenny. But um, it'll be interesting Interesting to see whether he does come back before the All-Star break. I'll, I'd put a, a, a fair chunk of money that he'll be back after. But he just adds to this team. You know, uh, just imagining going forward. I think Carol Laverne's the rotation, you know, lessening the minutes of guys like Trivion Graham and, and Rodion's, you know, guys who can still contribute, but I think will be better in lesser roles. And you give those minutes to it's just going to make us so bloody dangerous. I think it could be similar to a boogie situation where in terms of the integration might be a little bit tricky and uh, the chemistry and such. But I think because the off-court chemistry is so great and these guys just have a real willingness to to share and to, to grow together, I think it should be fine. And I think Spencer is going to be able to probably adjust best. But I think hopefully this confidence and the recent uh, form of D'Lo allows him to sort of um, play well uh, alongside of Karis LeVert because I think, you know, we talked about three-guard lineups. Three-guard lineups with Karis LeVert are going to be bloody awesome. Uh, I mean, early in the season, they weren't as successful, but I think now that Spencer and D'Angelo have established a really good uh, on-court and off-court rapport, I think you're adding Karis LeVert. There might be some some bumpy roads, but, you know, it's just, it's a Nets team. It's, uh, every single Nets game, there's a, there's a bumpy road. So uh, I'm excited to see how it progresses. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can bring defensively. And
2: if I had to guess whose minutes, yeah, a little bit from Trevion, a little from Rodion's, I wouldn't be surprised we see Shabazz's minutes cut again, which, you know, no offense to him. He's just obviously a liability defensively. He can bring that spark, and he'll probably get a little bit. But you replace that with Karis LaVert, guy who can drive to the rim offensively. You know, his three point shot's still a little inconsistent, but the defensive potential he showed this season would be a big plus to this team, especially when you're going against teams and they're putting up 30 points in a quarter. So a lot of faith and confidence in this Nets team moving forward. And hopefully they can continue to build off this development and this, this winning stretch they're having.
3: Yeah. I mean, three in a row now, I think tied uh, out of all Eastern conference teams for winning streaks. I think the Sixers Correct. are another, I think the Sixers are another team that have got one. Um, So We're one of the form teams of the NBA, Nick, and uh, I think that that stretch hopefully will continue, uh, but I'm not going to predict that way because uh, I'm not going to jinx my boys.
2: Yeah, and uh, obviously they have a big game on Monday against Sacramento. Two days of rest, though. Then they have Orlando again Wednesday at home, and then the Knicks... Friday as well at home. So three games at home, potential to push this streak to six games, which is, you know, not crazy to say earlier in the year, you're like six-game winning streak for the Nets, no way. But the way they're playing, it looks like a real possibility coming up. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, like you said, Jack, but they're in good position to go on a six-game winning streak.
3: Yeah, I'd be happy with two and one over that stretch. Um, I think that we might drop one. The second-minute Kings are a really good basketball team. We need and to get more put-
2: optimism in you, Jack. I don't know what I have to do. I have to fly to <laughs> Australia, but... <laughs> Dude, you're not going to be
3: flying anywhere on the, with that cold that you got right
2: now. <laughs> yeah, I know. The people are like, what's wrong with this dude?
3: But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think, Any final uh, topics you want to get into? I was just going to say, I think that the Magic the, the next time around are going to be quite motivated. I think that um, watch this space with Aaron Gordon's going to be playing because um, he was sort of bullying us uh, really big time. I think that the Magic sort of saw the, the prototype for, for how they can sort of um, beat us in terms of using their size. And, uh, I mean, I really like Jonathan Isaac. That kid can close out, and that kid is strong. But um, uh, enough about the Magic. The Nets, um, what can we say? Yeah,
2: honestly, the one positive going to that game, like you said, it's extremely hard to beat a team two times in a row in such a short period of time. But the Nets probably will not play that bad in the first half like they did tonight. I expect a better effort, especially at home. So it's a real possibility to be able to beat them. But like you said, they're going to have to do a better job with Aaron Gordon if he's healthy at that time.
3: Yeah, uh, I think there's going to be plenty of things going forward. But first, we've got the Kings, so we got to deal with them first.
2: Exactly. All right, Jack, that wraps it up. As always, thank everybody for listening and checking us out live. It'll still be on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Dash Radio. But, uh, Jack, that does it for me. Go Nets.
3: Go Nets. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.